Welcome to the Hoosier Ag Today morning podcast on Friday morning, the 10th of March, 2023. I'm Andy Eubank, and the podcast is made possible by First Farmers Bank and Trust, proudly serving local farms, families, and agribusiness for over 135 years. Check them out at ffbt.com. Check out Eric Pfeiffer and C.J. Miller from Orlando and Commodity Classic on the news today. Eric has an Indiana farmer talking about Indiana Soybean Alliance and what they're doing at Classic. C.J. has produced Jim Mintard, who presented at the annual event. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin says precipitation chances are in Indiana's outlook, and that includes snow. And the grain markets caught up in commodity liquidation yesterday. Mike Silver has comments on the Who's Your Ag Today Morning podcast. The land of the free is also the home of the hardworking. What if this is the year you take your farm operation to the next level? At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we're proud to serve the people who not only work until the sun goes down, but until the job is done. With over 135 years of commitment to agriculture, we'll find the solution that's right for your operation today and tomorrow. Visit ffbt.com to learn more. First Farmers Bank and Trust member FDIC. From Commodity Classic in Orlando, I'm Eric Pfeiffer and this is Hoosier Ag Today. Our coverage from beautiful and warm Florida brought to you by Seed Genetics Direct, the only independent seed company at the Commodity Classic. Learn more at SeedGeneticsDirect.com and by the Indiana Corn Marketing Council and Indiana Soybean Alliance. Your Indiana corn and soybean checkoff investments yesterday are paying off today. Check it out at YourCheckoff.org. New uses, new markets, new places to go with our soybeans we produce in Indiana. And that's the ultimate goal at the end of the day is to get rid of more beans, get rid of more beans. And that's Brazil, Indiana farmer Kevin Cox, vice chair of the Indiana Soybean Alliance. He recently traveled to Dubai for the world's largest food exhibition with about 70,000 people in attendance. And so Indiana's the largest producer of the Ohio Lake soybean oil, and so we were there to discuss the benefits of that product. And so we're hoping to get into that market. Right now we're producing more and more all the time, but uh, the demand is growing, and so keeping up with that demand is going to be the challenge. Cox is grateful for the partnerships they have with organizations like the U.S. Grains Council, the U.S. Meat Export Federation, and the USA Poultry and Egg Export Council, or USAPEAK. Indiana Soybean Alliance and Indiana Corn Marketing Council members also serve on the board of directors for those organizations. Cox went to Dubai as a member of the USAPEAK board. He says he didn't realize how critically important the poultry industry is to moving Indiana soybeans until he took the trip. And to see how important that product is to that part of the world. That's their main food stay, uh, uh, is that meat product, is, is those chickens. And so to see how uh, much of a demand there was are turkeys. Turkeys, huge demand for turkeys. Every processor, distributor that we went to is needing more turkeys or wanting more turkeys. So, th- so there's demand there for our product. Every other country in the world is trying to export product into that world to understand that that Dubai region, 85 to 90% of everything that they consume is imported. You know, there's a huge market potential there and everybody's vying for it. So these companies that we are uh, in partners with, um, they're all working toward that same goal is to try to move our products into that part of the world. Watch the video with Cox as he discusses the relationships with these organizations and how they're benefiting Indiana farmers on our Facebook page at Hoosier Ag Today. Earlier this week, Fed Chair Jerome Powell told lawmakers in Congress that interest rate increases may have to go higher for longer. That's why many people are concerned about the impact of higher interest rates on farmland prices. 
C.J. Miller is here in Orlando with me, and he has more on this story. I would expect that to have some negative impact on farmland values over the next year, maybe the next two or three years. That's Dr. Jim Mintert, director of Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture. He says many people are asking whether it's still a good idea to buy farmland at today's prices, considering that interest rates will likely climb higher down the road. The answer is going to be different for different people depending on their financial situation, but if you're at a sufficient scale where reinvesting dividends uh, is possible, and you can do that in terms of picking up that 80 or, or 120 or 160 acres or whatever the number might be, if that fits into your long-term reinvestment of dividend strategy from your existing farming operation, we still think that makes sense. Mintert says patience is one of the main factors in farmland investment. For most of us in agriculture, it's not a one or two or three year decision. It's much more of a multi-decade decision. And so you have to think about it from that perspective in terms of is now the time to invest in a particular property? How does it fit into your operation, et cetera? And how does it fit into your long run uh, strategy for growth and in terms of how you might reinvest your, your existing dividends from your, your existing operation? He also recommends that prospective farmland buyers perform a stress test to measure what they make and what they have on hand before deciding what to borrow and how much debt to add to their farm operation. You know, I think if you go back in history, that was one of the mistakes that people made in, in some prior periods where they got pretty aggressive with growth plans. They didn't think about doing a stress test and thinking about, well, what would happen if, if things unfold in, a, in an unforeseen way, which is, in this case, might be a, a larger increase in interest rates. It might mean weaker commodity prices than what people are currently projecting. So it's important to think about how you would manage your way through that, which doesn't mean you just pull back and don't do things, but you got to plan ahead a little bit and and think about those different scenarios. According to Purdue's most recent survey of farmers, 72% said it's a bad time to make large investments, and 27% of those said it's because of rising interest rates. Reporting from Commodity Classic in Orlando, I'm C.J. Miller. And I'm Eric Pfeiffer, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network. Your operating loan for your farm needs to cover all that could be. That's why Farm Credit Mid-America offers flexible financing options to take care of the day-to-day -day so you can free up capital to maximize opportunities for your farm. Use our online banking or mobile app to conveniently check funds so you always know how much cash you have on hand and can plan for what's ahead. To find an operating loan that works for you, visit e-farmcredit.com. Subject to credit approval, additional terms and conditions may apply. Farm Credit Mid-America is an equal opportunity lender. The High Ground Podcast. Everything from energy and fuel. And it's always like clean oil because most of my stuff leaks. So, yes. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. To agriculture. We go from the cute and cuddly phase to the not so cute and cuddly phase. You that. can cuddle with them at 290 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably against your will, I'm guessing. Well, and, well, other things. He calls them all variable costs. That's bull. <laughs> <laughs> I think you meant to say that's <laughs> fertilizer, right? Staying on topic. <laughs> Listen now on all platforms. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Indiana Farm Forecast. We've got some wintry weather trying to move on here today. Uh, Mother Nature reminding us that it is only March the 10th and she has plenty of little surprises up her sleeve. So snow moving across the northern areas here today. I-70 North I think sees wet snow at some point. You see rain mixing with the wet snow in central Indiana. Up in the northern third to northern quarter of the state, one to three, maybe four inches of snow 
for your Friday all in, all done, and just all rain down in southern Indiana. This system is ushering in a lot colder air. You can feel it today already. That's part of the reason why we have the snow in the forecast and why it's snowing right now, but we get colder over the weekend. Skies clear out a little bit for Saturday. We see partly sunny skies, but a very chilly afternoon. Sunday clouds are back. I won't rule out some on again, off again, light snow, particularly central and southern Indiana, but I won't rule it out anywhere. Into next week, Monday through Thursday, we're looking at a mix of clouds and sunshine. We're quite chilly. Good chance for some on again, off again, light snow and flurry action Monday, Tuesday. Not anything that gives us accumulation, but we're seeing the lakes get involved, the Great Lakes get involved and create the cloud cover and moisture potential. Wednesday, Thursday, we see temperatures moderate and we are looking at a little bit of a drier outlook. Then getting into the late week, strong frontal boundary, massive system coming out of the Great Plains. Uh, the low looks to track to the north and west of us, but there's still potential for rain, thunderstorms, and maybe some snow, depending on where you're at. But moisture totals a quarter to one inch out of this right now. A lot will depend on where the low tracks and what kind of moisture profile this storm can tap into. So plenty of changes are expected here in my mind between now and when we get to the storm next Friday. But just keep in mind, there is a plenty of moisture coming. And behind that, once again, we see a very strong surge of cold Arctic air coming down across the country. It could be very chilly for the 18th, 19th, and right on into the week of the 20th. That's a look at your forecast update. I'm meteorologist Ryan Martin. A sell-off in grains, oil seeds, livestock too, everything down. This is Hoosier Ag Today's Thursday Farm Market Review, brought to you by Seed Genetics Direct, the only independent seed company at Commodity Classic. Call them for upfront corn, soybean, wheat, alfalfa, and herbicide pricing. We have settlements coming up. It was not a pretty picture. First market analysis, and I secured that at the end of trade from Mike Silver, Kokomo Grain. Mike, a sell-off on Thursday. We are looking at some very volatile markets through the course of the week. Fed chair comments having a lot to do with that when you look at a lot of different markets, stock market included. But on Thursday, we hit some lows here in corn and soybeans, a pretty rough day overall. There is a lot of red on the quote board today, Andy, and yes, it's, it's been a, a vicious day in terms of down, downward price action. We've not seen nearby corn futures, and for that matter, the DEESE contract uh, at these levels uh, since late, well, it was late July last year and early August last year, and the market's trying to find a bottom, but it's just uh, not getting much of a catalyst to let it do that. So um, we did have we did have a good export sales number this morning in corn, 1.412 million metric tons. That compares to 598,000 last week, but that wasn't enough to to stabilize the market or keep the free fall from engaging. The soybean number in the export sales was actually, there were net cancellations, so it was a minus 23,000 metric tons, and that compares to the 360,000 last week. And the wheat number came in at 266, which was mid-range of expectations, but it was, it was about uh, 20 metric tons lower than last week. So just no help really from the export sales numbers. We did have a flash export sales uh, from uh, the uh, USDA this morning, 184,000 metric tons of soybeans for delivery to an unknown destination. And we'll just have to 
put on our thinking caps and, and think about where that destination might be. But um, that has provided maybe a, a smidgen of support today to the soybean market. Uh, but the wheat, the wheat market continues to be a dog, if you will, and is negatively impacting the corn market. And until we can see some strength in wheat, it's going to be tough for this corn market to do a lot of rallying. Although, uh, from a seasonal standpoint, we are entering the time frame now that we should see some retracement back to the upside as we move toward uh, getting the crop in the ground. But uh, pretty ugly day today. Uh, compared to last Friday, May corn right now is down about 28 cents. The Dece is down about 18 cents. The May beans are down eight, not too bad. The Nove beans down about 12 from last week. And New crop July wheat's down about 38 cents from last Friday. So just just not overall uh, very pleasing at all for folks that are looking for higher prices. But today, in my opinion, is, is not the day to do any pricing because I do think that we can see some recovery and see some better numbers. But I'm going to encourage, as I do every week, to get, get offers in above the market at a realistic selling price and Continue to sell the old crop and get some new crop on the books as, as we see some price recovery. Of course, yesterday we had the WASDE report, the March WASDE report, the World Outlook Board report. And as expected, USDA did lower our export uh, projection for corn. They lowered it to the tune of 75 million bushel. And, of course, uh, that reduction in exports went right straight down to the bottom line to the ending stocks. It, in, it increased our ending stocks number by 75 million bushels. So that certainly has been no help the last two days, uh, especially in light of uh, the export sales pace that we're on right now. So it was, it was expected that USDA would do that, and they did. Um, they also made uh, some slight adjustments in the Soybean balance table, um, they reduced crush 10 million bushels. Uh, they did increase the export number by 25 million bushels. So the net effect was a 15 million bushel uh, reduction in ending stocks, now at 210 um, million bushels. And uh, that's down 15 million, as I said, from the February number. Um, the um, the world is still um, in quite a, quite a predicament. Um, the the Fed chairman, in his uh, written remarks and in his comments and response to questions in the Senate and the House this week, uh, obviously has created I'll call it some angst amongst uh, trade participants as to what the Fed is going to do in terms of interest rates, but it's generally perceived and per his extraction or my extraction of some of his comments, um, I think they are committed to keeping interest rates uh, and, and creeping them on up, maybe more so than they had thought. So that that's causing some anxiety in the market. No question about that. Uh, Global geopolitical issues can continue to trouble the marketplace. The uh, the Russian-Ukraine 
export corridor um, that is in question and it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out but um, just so many factors Andy in play and we talked about I talked about this last week but the fact that the commitment of traders report is still lagging four weeks of data uh, it's awfully hard to get a feeling of where the commodity funds are in terms of their positions for corn and soybeans. Uh, it looks like the trap doors opened under the corn market with the way, way prices are falling and, and they have been pretty strong sellers. I'm interested to see what the player sheet has in the daily activity when the market closes today, but I'm, I'm sure that they've sold a significant number of, corn contracts today with the way prices have declined. So that's about a wrap for today, Andy, on what's going on. We'll see better days than, than we're seeing today. Farmers that we talk to, their question is, have I missed it? Is there any chance at all that we can recover? And my response to that is, well, we've missed the highest prices. Um, usually get two shots at a price level, and I remind folks of that, and I also encourage them as I said earlier, to get their open orders in the market for old crop they have remaining to sell and for new crop corn and soybeans. The, um, the USDA, I want to just jump back here a second. Uh, in the, uh, the world numbers, the Argentine uh, corn crop, uh, USDA pegged that at 40 uh, million metric tons. In uh, February, that was 47. So that weather impact in Argentina, certainly USDA has recognized that. <clears throat> and in the Argentine soybeans, USDA put that at 33 million metric tons. And in February, USDA had that at 41 million. So again, that uh, negative weather influence is certainly going to affect the uh, production uh, in Argentina. And hopefully... Um, that will mean that uh, we can see some more export business come to the United States and, and muster a rally in both uh, corn and soybean prices. Market analysis by Mike Silver of Kokomo Grain. Mike's number 800-666-0613 if you'd like to talk it over. Settlements now from Thursday trade. The corn market ended on really a low note with May going 14 cents lower, 611 and a half, and July 601 and three quarters, a loss of 12 and a quarter. Beans up and down looked like they might have a chance at finishing on the plus side. Didn't happen. May beans, 15, 10 and three quarters, seven cents down, and July seven and a half lower at 1498 and three quarters. The weak side leader, Chicago wheat, May 665 and three quarters, down 21 and three quarters. And the meat's lower, too, with April live cattle, 164.80, 65 down. April lean hogs, 85.07, off 67 cents. I'm Andy Eubank with the Thursday Market Review. This is Who's Your Ag Today. Timely, relevant, credible.